This podcast is sponsored by Bang & Olufsen. A concert recording, a new symphony, even your favourite podcast. It matters how it sounds. Peter Bang and Sven Olufsen knew this when they founded their Danish audio brand in 1925, and their vision endures today. For nearly a century, Bang & Olufsen has been pushing the boundaries of audio technology and continues to sit at the forefront of acoustic innovation, because sound matters. Find out more at bang-olufsen.com forward slash classical. Welcome to the BBC Music Magazine podcast. You can subscribe to the magazine by visiting classical-music.com or to our interactive iPad edition by visiting iTunes.com. BBC Music Magazine is now an official Apple Music curator and you can listen to our exclusive playlists by visiting applemusic.com slash bbcmm. Hello and welcome to our monthly cover CD podcast in which we take a brief look at the works on the disc that accompanies the latest issue of BBC Music Magazine. I am Jeremy Pound, the magazine's deputy editor, and with me is our editorial assistant, Eleanor Cooper. Hello. This month, our April issue cover CD focuses on Yehudi Menuhin, the 100th anniversary of whose birth falls on 22nd of April, and whose image also graces the cover of the magazine itself. On the disc, we hear the great violinist perform Bartok's second violin concerto in a performance from the BBC Proms in 1982. He also plays Brahms's third violin sonata, accompanied by his own sister, Hepzibah, on the piano, and Trepnin's violin sonata, Opus 14, accompanied by the composer himself. We'll begin with the Bartok concerto. Here are Menuhin and the BBC Symphony Orchestra under conductor Gunther Herbig, midway through the Allegro non troppo first movement. was Yehudi Menuhin and the BBC Symphony Orchestra in the first movement of Bartok's second violin concerto, played at the BBC Proms in 1982. Bartok was a composer with whom Menuhin had a particularly strong association, wasn't he, Eleanor? Absolutely, yeah. Menuhin was introduced to Bartok in 1943 by their mutual friend Antal Durati. Um, Durati had actually studied piano with Bartok when they were both living in Budapest. Um, and at their first meeting, uh, Menuhin played Bartok's violin concerto, the first violin concerto to him, and Bartok was completely overwhelmed by this performance. He said, I did not think that music could be played like that until long after the composer was dead. Menuhin commissioned Bartok to write him a work for solo violin. When the work first arrived, Menuhin was shocked at how difficult it was. Menuhin premiered the sonata solo violin at the Carnegie Hall with Bartok, who was by then dying of leukaemia, in the audience. Menuhin later called this performance one of the great milestones of his life. Menuhin's own recording of that solo violin sonata is well worth investigating, by the way. It is admittedly a tough listen at first, but hugely rewarding once you get your teeth into it. 
And the next work we're going to get our collective teeth into here, meanwhile, is Brahms's third violin sonata. This recording was made by Yehudi Menuhin and his sister Hepzibah in Maida Vale Studios in London in 1961. We're going to join it at the beginning of the fourth movement. That was Yehudi and Hepzibah Menuhin in Brahms's Third Violin Sonata, a work written incidentally in the glorious surroundings of the Swiss Alps in summer 1888. As Menuhin himself lived and founded a music festival in the Swiss resort of Gestadt, there's something of a geographical link between composer and performer there. I'd though like to talk briefly here about Hepzibah Menuhin, if we may. She was a superb pianist and regularly performed with Yehudi in concert, and yet she's slipped comparatively under the radar. Why was that, Eleanor? Well, it was mostly down to Menuhin's mother, Marutha, who decided from an early age that it was Yehudi who would be the special one. She was convinced that he would be the great artist of her children, despite the talents of both his younger sisters, Hepzibar and Yalta. The three children simultaneously broke away from their mother's tight control in the late 30s, all by getting married, Yehudi to his first wife, Nola and Nicholas, and Hepzibar to Nola's brother, Lindsay. In getting married, Hepzibar abandoned her plans to give her debut recital in Carnegie Hall and instead moved with her new husband to southwestern Victoria in Australia. Her marriage curtailed her musical career, but it didn't end it. She did continue to perform around Australia and, after her divorce from her first husband, in London. Yes, it was a, a sort of a performing relationship between Yehudi and Hepzibah, which had kind of two phases, the, the pre-marriage and the post-marriage for Hepzibah. Um, and as, as they say, they performed quite a lot in the 1960s together, and that's the recording there is also from the 1960s. And in fact, Hepzibah Menuhin is just one of two particularly interesting pianists on our April issue cover CD. The other is the composer Alexander Trepnin, who we are now going to hear accompanying Yehudi Menuhin in the start of the third movement of Trepnin's very own Opus 14 Violin Sonata. Recorded in 1972, that was a moment from the finale of Trepnin's Violin Sonata, a work that the composer had written 50 years earlier, when he was in his early 20s. Trepnin is, I suspect, a vaguely familiar name to quite a few listeners, even if they don't know his music well. Tell us a bit about him, Eleanor. Alexander Trepnin was from a family of musicians. Um, his father, Nikolai, was a pupil of Rimsky-Korsakov, and he also conducted the first season of Diaghilev's uh, Ballet Russe in Paris. Um, Trepnin's sons and grandsons are actually also composers. One son, Sergei, was a pioneer of electronic instruments. 
Alexander was born in St. Petersburg, but he fled the Russian Revolution when he was 18, with a trunk already full of compositions. His music has a real diasporic mix of influences. He grew up surrounded by the national Russian tradition of Borodin and Rimsky-Korsakov, then, when his family fled to Georgia, was heavily influenced by the rich folk heritage of that country. After Georgia, he studied at the Paris Conservatory, yet another totally different musical backdrop. And Menuhin was actually a particularly big fan of his, wasn't he, particularly in the kind of later years? Yes, he was. Menuhin made a point of championing composers like Cherepnin, whose music was often overlooked. He thought Cherepnin's work was original in concept and expression, and he admired his synthesis of many cultures. And on that positive note, we're going to wrap up this month's cover CD podcast by returning to the Bartok Concerto, which we heard first. Here's Menuhin rounding off in style at the BBC Proms in 1982. Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes. Do you want to be part of a global community of people who are passionate about sound? Join the House of Bang & Olufsen for the latest news on sound innovation, as well as invites to exclusive events, special offers and behind-the-scenes content. You'll also be the first to receive information about new and limited series products, from atelier editions to highly coveted collaborations. Sign up today at bang-olufsen.com forward slash classical.